Now, we don't normally do this, but before we start the program this week, I've had a lot of messages asking about what I thought about Thursday night's television. So, look, I have to admit, I had a big smile on my face watching the TV last night. Yes, it was tense, but as enjoyable as the last time I saw it happen all those years ago, and I really mean it, especially the bit where Dougal drives the milk float towards the boxes at four miles an hour. <laughs> That's what you're talking about, right? This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Hello and welcome to The Score with me, Michael Clark. Formula hasn't been the only F-word uttered by local football fans still waiting to find out how the Irish League season will finish. Farcical, frustrating, fiasco or ridiculous. Well, I redacted one of the words that went before ridiculous, but you get the gist. So whilst the Boffins continue their calculations to confirm Linfield, Portadown and Anna as champions, call it a hunch, we can at least take some solace in the confirmation that the Irish Cup will be back, and entertainment is on the way at the end of July. We'll cover that in more detail closer to the time. Today we're thinking about life after Michael. Yes, O'Neill's successor has been interviewed this week, and we're just waiting to find out who gets the nod. Stephen Robinson, Ian Barraclough, Jim Magilton, Tommy Wright and late runner Kenny Shields will all be sitting by their phones today, hoping they get the call. So on the show I thought we'd speak to someone who has been a standout performer this season in his own right, and also has insider knowledge on the men who could become his new international manager. It's time to meet our special guest. The Score with Michael Clark. This week it is Northern Ireland and Motherwell Ace, Liam Donnelly. Liam, thanks for coming on to the programme. No problem, Michael. Now, at the time of us sitting down to do this, uh, there's obviously a lot of speculation about the Northern Ireland manager's job, and you know a fair few of the candidates, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, um, I've worked with uh, three of them. So... I've got yeah, quite good knowledge, quite good experience with the, with the three that I've, been, that I've worked with previously. Stephen Robinson is your club manager, and um, I'm sure throughout this programme we're going to hear what he's brought to your career. I mean, you've really kicked on, particularly this season under him, but previously uh, coming up through the ranks in the junior internationals. But in terms of as a Northern Ireland manager, potentially, what would he bring to the table? Um, listen, he's a very good uh, coach. He's very meticulous and in all the, the stuff we do in training. Um, very detailed in his approach to the games, no matter who the opposition is. Um, yeah, goes into great detail, um, studies the, the opposition a lot, gives the players a lot of information about who you'll be coming up against. Um, so in that sense, he really he kind of equips you for the game. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, usually when there's speculation about your manager potentially leaving, it isn't to still be your manager, if that makes sense. I know. No, it is. It's a strange one. 
it's a yeah, it's it's a situation that I'm sure everybody in Motherwell doesn't want to to see happen. No, we, I mean he's obviously very popular with the Motherwell fans. Um, how different would you say he is to the likes of Ian Barraclough, who's another name in the mix? Um, they're not too different, to be honest. Uh, or their their personalities might be a little bit um, different. Just uh, Ian's just probably slightly more relaxed, but still obviously demands a lot of uh, hard work, obviously in training that, building up the games. Um, obviously, Gaffer, Rob Mullerwell, um, very high intensity, sort of every day of the week, which is, which is a good thing to do. Obviously, that's why we've, we've been successful in the last season. Um, so I think, I think in terms of the way they approach games, not as I said, their, their sort of analysis of the opposition, they're very similar. I think it's probably just their, their personality that may be a bit different, but that's not saying that either personality, I think both would, would do a good job. Well, as someone whose career is going from strength to strength, you must be looking at this and going, if it's two managers that have been good to me and fancy me, well, may one of them get it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, listen, it's two managers that have, um, yeah, I've had uh, quite good good times with, um, working with them both, and I'll say uh, Jim and Jill included in that as well. Um, so it'll be good. Yeah, hopefully, listen, it's obviously down to the, the IFA and that at the minute to make their decision um, but I think either of any of those three would be possibly good for good for me in terms of having having worked quite well with them before so yeah it would be it would be good if it's with a manager that likes you I'm surprised they haven't got you on the panel because when you think about it you know you've played against Tommy Wright this season as well so it's it's only Kenny Shields that you haven't got the latest scoop on <laughs> I've got a little bit of Kenny as well. I sort of know him a little bit from when I was younger, so I've got an insight to all five of them, really. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it's, uh, I'm sure it's a decision that they'll, they'll take a lot of time for it. They'll, they'll think over it and do the, the process properly, and I'm sure they'll find the right person. Now let's talk about your career because it's been far from straightforward for you to get to the point now where you're being talked about in high regard and you know meriting transfer speculation and all this sort of stuff. It, it's fair to say there's been a few bumps on the road, Liam. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, listen, I think it's it's part of part of football. Um, a lot of a lot of players can experience that. Um, a lot of players have experienced it, and I think it's yes. It's been a few, it's been a few tough times. Um, had to drop down the levels, obviously after leaving Fulham. Um, tried to to work myself, try and work my way back up. So I think honestly, doing quite well last season. Hopefully, I've gone um, some way in doing that. It's nice, obviously, to be to be hearing a few rumours and attract interest. In terms of you know the early days in your career, it was Dungan and Swifts really where you uh, first came onto the scene. Yeah, obviously started off at um, Dungan, uh, great club. Um, you know, obviously got a lot of um, got a big reputation for bringing through players in in Northern Ireland. They have they've always done done really well in producing players over the years. Obviously, there's, there's a few um, in the Northern Ireland squad at the minute, so obviously I'm sure they're. The club's very proud of that. Um, yeah, it was, I think it was a, it's a great club. I enjoyed all my, my time there. And 
enjoy even still still look out for them. So uh, I like to see them doing well. Still look out for the results every Saturday. I think Dungannon fans are you know going to love this program because we had Nalm again on the show last week. Obviously, you know at a club level you you were battling it out in the SPFL this season to to get that third place that you now you've um, managed to secure, albeit weird circumstances. I think everybody could agree that. Yeah, of course it is weird circumstances. Um, as, uh, um, I actually spoke to Nile one of the the international trips a few a few months ago and told him that. Uh, Come the end of the season, Motherwell would finish the league in, in the league ahead of Aberdeen, and he, he didn't believe me. So <laughs> um, he won't be happy with that. But <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's, uh, it's been a great season for the for the club and everyone involved. Obviously, Aber- Aberdeen pushed us right to the end. Really, I'm sure. Obviously, it didn't finish how we wanted, but um, you know we were still still confident that we get the chance to to finish the games if we were still hold on to the third place and I think that was the main thing really that's as long as that didn't get taken away from us um, so yeah we're, we're delighted that we've finished third and got into the Europa League qualifiers I'm sure any Motherwell fans listening to this will be uh, particularly ecstatic. Uh, Mr. McGinn might take a, a different view, but uh, what else did you expect? I mean, it is nice to hear that friendly rivalry. So when you're meeting up with him on international duty, there's still there's still a wee bit of friendly banter about what's going on in the in the club game as well. Yeah, of course there is. Well, obviously there's a there's a few lads in the in the Northern Ireland squad that are playing up in Scotland, so there's always a there's always a bit of banter flying about. Um, but it's good, it's good to have that better rivalry, but obviously, you know, there's, there's only a bit of banter, obviously, and they're still your teammates at the end of the day and until you, until you cross the white line on the on the pitch when you're playing against each other. But, no, listen, it's, yeah, it's always, it's always good to have a bit of, bit of banter about it with the lads. See, I think that's an interesting subject in itself because, you know, historically that's something England have struggled with as an international team. They've had these massive personalities and players and they've had the rivalries, but it's sort of affected the way they play as a group when they come together on international duty, whereas Northern Ireland squads, for the most part, it seems that regardless of what the club dynamic is, once you pull on the green jersey, it's all systems go, there's no issues. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a a bit of an environment that Michael O'Neill managed to to create, I think, when he was in charge. Um, The players always, there's always going to be Players playing for their for their country that are going to be and they're they're going to be rivals with each other at club level. Um, you know, it's it's always been that's always been put to the side. It's, it's, a, it's a great group of lads with the, the Northern Ireland squad. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, once you come together, you're your teammates, um, not rivals. So yeah, it's, it's it's a good it's a good squad, a good bunch of lads, and a good environment. And I think it shows with the, the way they've we've played and obviously done well in recent years. I mean, what strikes me, and I'm sure it would strike anybody about your career, is you know you were snapped up by Fulham as a teenager. You, you hear a lot now managers saying about maybe the virtues of staying and maturing in a competitive league here in Northern Ireland and moving slightly later once you've had a bit more, I guess, of men's football. You didn't yeah. do that. You had a great opportunity at a young age. Um, do you feel it was the right thing to do? Yeah. Um, listen, I always say no matter... No matter what the outcome was, even in leaving, leaving Fulham or whatever happened, um, I'll always uh, say that it was the, at the time it was definitely the right thing to do. It was definitely the right choice for for my development at the time. Um, so I'll never I'll never look back and 
think otherwise about that. What age were you, 15 or 16? 16 when I moved over, yeah. I mean, that's it's a wee bit different, isn't it, London, compared to Dungannon? Just just a wee bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit, a bit, bit, bit uh, bigger scale, really. <laughs> um, but no, listen, as you said, I think I think it's it was probably a bit less heard of back then whenever I moved over, but I think now, as you said, lads, that's, um, you know, sort of at that age, it's an opportunity that you can't really... It'd be tough to, to say no to to get to move over to, to England or Scotland or to sign for a professional team. How uh, did that all? How did that all come about, Liam? You know, w- were you aware that they were watching you for a while, or was it a conversation out of the blue? When did you realise there's a chance of getting a move? Um, yeah, no, I've been going over back and forward on trial. I think since I was eleven or twelve was the the first time I went over. So I've been I've been back and forth um, for a couple of years. I've been to a few other clubs as well. Um, just Fulham was the the one that I always enjoyed going to most. Um, they were the ones that sort of seemed the most interest. Um, sort of put in front of um, put in front of us that they would look after you the best and everything. So at the time it was it was as I said obviously the. I think it's definitely the right suit. Was there any part of you that was nervous or apprehensive about making that leap at 16? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, think, I think most of the young lads going over are obviously going to be very nervous. Um, you know, it's a big it's a big step at that age. It's a big jump to, to move away from your from your family, you know, from, from your comfort, really, um, to move to a different country, even to a big, big city like London. Um, you know, moving into new, new digs and that, just new surroundings. Um, even, even, even the, the fact that you're moving to, to a new club is always can always be nerve wracking, but it's a very hard um, thing to be very hard to, to turn that down. I think I don't think there'll be many young lads that would turn down the chance to do it. When you are all of a sudden in London as a 16 year old. Is it hard to keep focused on your football? Because I imagine there's a lot of free time. How do you not go off the rails? Because you hear so many horror stories of young players whose maybe I gets you know distracted away from the professional game. Other things get in the way. Yeah, no, listen, it's, there's obviously something you hear of quite often. Um, it's I can also I can vouch for the young lads and obviously say that it, it can be obviously difficult. Um, you're sort of there, as you said, you've got a lot of free time. A lot of these young lads will be on quite a lot of money at a young age. Um, and they probably don't really know how to to control that, really. Um, you know, it's, you're sort of thrown into sort of a big, a big environment that's it's sort of very um, surrounded by a lot of money, really. Um, so it can be, it can be difficult to, sort of keep yourself focused on that but listen you have to you have to try and think at the end of the day it's your it's your football career that you're there for and not at any other reason the thing I always try and say it's not the same because we're dealing with different numbers but if, if anyone thinks about moving away maybe if they went to university and how quickly in the first semester they realise their student loan didn't go as far as they thought it might yeah so weave it like that, isn't it? You know, because all, all of a sudden you're your own boss. There's a bit more money apparently in your bank account, and you know you could spend it not so wisely if you wanted to. 
no, definitely. Look, I think it's a it's a very easy mistake to make as a as a young as a young lad. Um, you know, you do you sort of you sort of think this you've got this contract. Uh, you're obviously on on good money for especially for that age. You're thinking the sort of you you go over, you're doing well. You think that this is gonna continue. Um, you're gonna do well. You're gonna break into the first team. You'll get another better contract. You know, it's sort of it's something that you. It's, it's just something that you don't really aside of the game. You don't really think about as sort of possibly spending too much money or possibly getting not getting offered a new contract. Maybe not having that same income as you had. So it can. It can definitely be, be very difficult. I mean, you know, from the outside looking in, it, it does look like you did very well early on with Fulham in that obviously getting the captain's armband, the, the FA Youth Cup going all the way to the final, being edged out narrowly on, you know, after two legs against Chelsea, losing an aggregate. Um, it, it looked like there was a period of time at Fulham where everything was going right. Yeah, definitely. Um, set up up until that sort of um, that Youth Cup final. Everything was going um, really well. Uh, after that, that's when I got my first first call up to the Northern Ireland senior squad too. In the in the summer after that, I went away with them, made my debut as well. So yeah, everything was was really positive at that time. Um, I then got a got a bad injury, um, sort of the pre-season, the next pre-season, and was out for seven months. I think that was sort of the the, the main setback and sort of the start of sort of just things maybe not going as well as, as they had them. How do you deal with that? And I don't even mean physically recovering from an injury. You know, when you've captained Fulham to the, the final, okay, yes, the setback of not winning it, but things are starting to, you know, mount up for you. You get the international call up, which maybe you know, on form you were you were thinking you were deserving of, but I don't know if you could ever fully expect it at the same time. You get that call up, everyone, you know, your stock couldn't be higher and then the injury. Yeah. Um I don't I don't actually think I was um fully fully deserved of the of the call up as well. It was a it was a bit of a shock. Um obviously one something that I'll always look back very fondly on. I was very grateful for at the time. Um, I'll always be very grateful for that, that opportunity to make my debut. Um, but yeah, no, it's just sort of going on from the, the Youth Cup final to, to making your international debut and then going back. Sort of thought you were going to be um, breaking into, into Fulham's first team. That was certainly the, the plan anyway. And then just uh, it's difficult to have the injury and be out, you know, sitting in the in the gym while you're you're looking out the window watching your, your mates, you know, involved with the with the first team and playing in the in the first team it can be difficult. Um but doesn't it it happens. Um something that I think has probably um defined my character a bit probably now. Um it was obviously a difficult time but something that I I don't really like to, to look back on too too negatively and and just be positive about the future. Because, you know, I've spoken to different players and some sadly never came back from their injuries. You know, some people, it's it's the end when they, they get a major injury. Um, you obviously were able to recuperate, but during those seven months, at times, you must have doubted yourself somewhat. Yeah, of course you do. Listen, as a, 
as a young lad, I think that you said it's, it's not even physically, I think it's more um, psychologically that you have to um, you have to cope with it really, because I think that's the, the hardest part. Um, you just have to try and surround yourself really with with good people and, and just try and keep working hard and obviously keep trying to to work back to your to your goal of getting back fit again and try and keep going. But now listen, it's a it's a difficult situation and I know a lot of people have been through it before and it can be I'm sure it can be can be tough on a lot of people and can can go the other way as easily as, as you can come back from it. I think what's incredible about it is, you know, in some ways even your friends can miss the fact that you would be struggling mentally because they're going Liam's Liam's at Fulham. What's he got to worry about? And you're obviously fully cognizant of if I'm not playing, I'm at risk here. Yeah, of course. No, listen, it's uh, it's difficult to to obviously try and it's, it's difficult for all the people to probably understand as well. Um, obviously, you're still in a in a great situation, really, and enjoying what you do. Uh, you know, you're you're getting paid to to do something you love, but at the same time, no, it's a it can be a, a difficult time whenever you're when you're injured and you're sort of you're struggling a bit and it is it's it's as I said psychologically it's probably the the hardest part of it but you know just you just have to, to try and fight your way through it and as I said try and surround yourself with good people who can try and help you through that as well. And in that youth team I mean, there's some cracking players. Musa Dembele is obviously the, the standout name amongst them. Yeah. No, there was there's a lot of a lot of good players in that team. Um, you know, obviously Musa being a big name, there's a, there's a few others that have obviously gone on and done really well for themselves, making good careers for themselves. So it was, it was a, it was a very good team. I think we were just more disappointed that we didn't end up uh, getting the win. But obviously the Chelsea team at the time was, was full of big name players too. So yeah, it's, it's obviously a disappointing look to, to look back on, but. It was also a very good achievement to get there in the first place. It's probably only years later you realise how good those sort of teams are because at, at youth level, you're all just coming up, aren't you? It's it's when you look at it sort of now and you go, oh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, for example, was playing that day for Chelsea. You realise, okay, I knew he was a good player, but he's gone on and he's proved it. Yeah. I know, no, it's, it is. It's just when you, when you sit back and think that you played against these, these players um, in that game, a few of the teams in the, the academy that we beat along the way as well had a lot of a lot of players in them that have gone on to make uh, careers in the in the first teams. Um, so you do you do realise how how big of an achievement it was, and obviously there's a lot of a lot of players within our team and the teams that we we played against that have gone on to do well. So yeah, that's good. Who would you say is the best player you've come up against so far? Um. Uh, I think there's a few probably I think say whenever I was at, when I was at Fulham playing reserves just I came up against uh, Robin Van Persie one game he was coming back from injury uh, and I was actually marking him I was playing centre back at the time for Fulham so that was obviously a very a very tough afternoon <laughs> uh, I was quite young at the time I think I was maybe 20, 21 and he was he was obviously in, in the prime of his career at Man United just, just having a reserve game before being put back into the first team, so and what's he uh, like? I mean, is he a talker when he's when you're marking him? Is he talking to you? Um, he wasn't. No, there's a few. Obviously, there is some players like that. Um, I'm sure 
he was probably a bit more vocal than maybe in the first team games instead of talking to the, the reserve players. But um, no, it was, it was obviously different type of characters. Uh, you know, when I made my debut for Northern Ireland as well, I actually came on against Alexis Sanchez for Chile as well. So that's another, another big game I've played against. Yeah, and the the joy of being a defender as well. You're coming in wanting, and you had a good game against Chile, but you're coming in and you're going, oh great, Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, no, I think there was only about five minutes left, so I think I was quite happy with that. I think he had really <laughs> most of his sandwich at that point. So, um, yeah, no, I think I don't think he, he tried to take me on too much at that, at that stage, but no, it's, it's a good experience. Uh, plenty of energy in the tank anyway. Um, well, I the, the the Fulham scenario obviously it's you know it's a difficult one in itself they were going through managers left right and center um it must have made it hectic when you're trying to get a, a call up you're you're coming back from injury you're getting back to fitness and you're looking and you're going there's a lot of changes happening here yeah a lot um it's obviously it was quite a difficult period um for the club i think it was when they got into the first relegation from the premier league for I think about 13 years. Um, yeah, and I was, the ones that did go through quite a few managers, there was sort of a bit of instability at the, at the time. Um, so yeah, listen, as a young player, it's, it's hard to, obviously you're trying to impress the, the first team manager and then you maybe, you maybe start, start to impress him and he, he could be out the door and there's a new, a new manager and replace him and you have to sort of start all over again, try and impress impress him too as well as trying to obviously push past the, the first team players that are in front of you but as I said it's, it's, the same. It's, it's part of football really it's just something that you have to do and obviously I think Fulham have obviously recovered uh, quite well since that they're obviously on the up at the moment and it's, uh, it's definitely good to see um, how did your release come about Who were you called into a meeting was it a phone call what way did it happen yeah it was um, Peter Grant, who was the reserve manager at the time, and Steve Wigley, who was who had been my under eighteen manager, who sort of um, I think he was the, the head of coaching in the academy at the time too, um, and the, the academy director Hugh Jennings. I think he was a meeting with with those three. Um, they just said, "Yeah, listen, it was they weren't going to offer me a new a new contract. They thought that." I'd be better off going and um, signing elsewhere and trying to get sort of regular regular game time at, at first team level instead of um, possibly sitting about and being possibly around the first team but not getting regular games and being playing on the 21 football. So I think it's not as, as difficult as it was. I think it was probably the right decision at the time too. I think it was probably time to, to move on and look for regular first team games. But a great grounding in education, at least. Um, and then, you know, you go to Hartlepool, and I would imagine a very, very different environment. Yeah. Uh, very different, obviously, from from uh, Fulham to, to Hartlepool, but at the same time, Hartlepool was a, was a great club. Um, it was a great opportunity for me, and they gave me the opportunity to, to get regular games. Um, I think I played... 60 games over over two seasons so listen it was exactly what I needed at the time um, you know I had a, I had a very good time at, at Hartlepool um, obviously the first season we got we got relegated from League 2 which wasn't wasn't obviously what we wanted um, but in terms of in terms of my development and for me to get games 
not an idea at the time. It was, it was great for me. Because I'm sure people were saying to you, but it could have been a last chance saloon in some ways, a, a bit of a make or break. Yeah, no, there was a lot of people, um, I think they thought that at the time. After getting, yeah, getting released from Fulham, obviously it's quite a, it's a difficult situation. You sort of, you're going about a few, a few different clubs on trial. Um, you know, a few different places I went to said no, they, they didn't offer me a, a contract. Um, and you just sort of, you're not really knowing what's going to happen. You have to sort of keep, keep plugging away and keep going on trial and trying to get a, trying to earn a deal somewhere. But yeah, no, listen, it was, I always had the, the confidence in myself that it wouldn't be, that I wouldn't, um, say drop out of the game or, um, that I wouldn't get the chance to, to work my way back up. Where does that confidence come from? Because I think that is a real, difference maker in people who are successful and it doesn't even need to be in football in life you need to have yeah. that ability to back yourself when the talent is there and know look some people might not believe me but i'm going to eventually show them yeah yeah no it's not so I've, I've known i think there's a lot of people have always seen that i've always had um a lot of talent it's just sort of when you when you're in that position where you're getting released it's whether you have the Sort of the mentality and the the work rate to make sure that you're you're working hard to to earn a deal because obviously the lower the lower the leagues you sort of go down. You, it's not just about it's not just about talent. Obviously you're you're going to, to play men's football. It's a lot about a lot of obviously physicality involved. Um, it's not all about just being a nice a nice footballer on the eye. Um, you know it's your it's your ways that you're playing for then. Um, you know, you're playing to to win games with men who are who are playing for their for their families, for their mortgages. Um, so it's a, it's a it's obviously a different environment going into. But yeah, no, I always I've always backed myself. Um, um, maybe when other people didn't, but I think like you have to do that because if you don't do it yourself, um, there's not many other people who'll do it for you. No, it's definitely a great bit of advice because there, there's plenty of really talented footballers who haven't achieved their potential just because maybe they lacked a little bit of belief and that nothing to do with their talent. Yeah, of course. It's, you can see it happen a lot. Um, there's a lot of lads who possibly go over from from Northern Ireland over to, to professional clubs and maybe get released and end up being back in, in Northern Ireland, which I'm sure obviously they would rather be be staying in, in the professional game. Um, but no, listen, it, it can be difficult as well. Um, but it is, you just have to sort of have that have that confidence in yourself and work hard and try and get yourself another club. And getting game time and, and getting into your groove with Hartlepool, um, when did you know that there was a chance to then get the move? Obviously, you went to Motherwell in uh, the summer two years ago. Um, it was actually, I think it was uh, after my first year at Hartlepool was when I knew of the first interest from from Motherwell and um, Stephen Robinson, obviously from working with them in the underage groups in Northern Ireland. Um, they showed interest and nothing, nothing materialised then, but it was the, the season after then that um, it sort of the, became a bit more serious. Just the spoke with the club obviously and got the I was out of contract at at Hartlepool as well so it sort of got the ball moving really and went from there 
and the rest, as they say, was history. Um, it, it's yeah. a really interesting uh, spell in your career because you know you, you changed position. I think everyone had known you as a, a rather versatile defender. You proved you're even more versatile than maybe some of your previous managers realised when you took the step into midfield. Yeah, um, I think obviously at the end of at the end of my first season in Motherwell, there's a few, um, I think a few players in that position in the defensive midfield role that um, left the club, and moved on. So the position became available. Um, I'd had a bit of a difficult time. Really, I had a couple of couple of niggling injuries as well. Um, didn't play that many games in my first in my first season in Motherwell. Um, and the opportunity came up, and the, the manager said to me that he was gonna gonna try me out in the last game of the of that season in my first year there. So sort of went from there really, just um, played that game, the last game of the season there, and then came back obviously pre-season, um, just just focusing on that position, learning learning how to play that position, and just went went from there as well. Really. Because it's phenomenal, you know, there were statistics out a few months ago about how much more likely Motherwell are to pick up points when you are in their starting 11 versus when you're not. It's less than a point that they pick up when you're not in the team um, on average. Um, so you're the secret ingredient, clearly. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice stat to, to have in your favour. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's nice to to have that there. Uh, it's nice to see as well, and hopefully it shows that you're doing something, doing something right. You, um, just need to just need to stop picking up so many yellow cards or stop missing games. <laughs> yes, well, I mean, it's a, it's a part of your game, but it's a difficult one. How do you take that? It's part of your character, isn't it? It's a competitive edge. Yeah, yeah that's difficult. It's, it's sort of. It's hard. It's hard. You can try and sort of if you try to rein it back a little bit, then sort of you don't. You're not playing your game properly. Then as you said, so it's. I don't know. It's something that I don't think I can really. I don't think I can ever take it out of the game. I don't think I would ever be able to, to take that aggressive. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, expect to see you pull out of a tackle. You know what I mean? No, I don't think anybody ever would. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, listen, it is. It is a part of my game. Obviously, I'm sure there's a few of those. Yellow cards were probably a little, a little bit cheeky. Um, probably weren't needed. So if I've caught a few, it will be a bit better. Do you think you need to go maybe on like a course with a referee or something just uh, to learn how to speak to them? Possibly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really get on too well with them, to be honest. <laughs> um, so that, that, that could be a good shout. I could maybe try that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a few of your teammates are good at the charm, even down through the years. There's everyone at any level has played with a fella who's like the referee's best mate, and then there's other people that will never be that person. Yeah. No, listen, I'm, I'm definitely one of those. I don't think I'll ever be that person. <laughs> um, I don't know, unless, unless he gives me a couple of free kicks or something, which doesn't, doesn't usually happen, so... I don't think that'll be me. <laughs> Do you know, maybe I think we should try like a baby face look here, you know, get rid of that beard and see if they go, oh, no, he's actually dead young. We better just feel sorry for him. They think you're a tough guy. <laughs> uh, possibly. That could be another another idea to try, but I don't know. I don't know how I would feel about no beard. <laughs> now, well, we see when we see that this, this new Liam Donnelly with his chin exposed there, out winning free kicks yeah. and penalties left, right and centre. I'll, I'll take part of the credit. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this season, have you surprised yourself with your goal scoring form? That move into midfield, obviously, a bit of an experiment, but 11 goals in 29 games, all competitions, that's very good form, especially when you're meant to be a defensive midfielder. Yeah, no, look, that's, I think the, <clears throat> the goals were definitely a bit of a surprise, not to, not only to myself, but everybody else. Um, obviously, a, a nice surprise, <laughs> something that obviously very enjoyable. It's the, best, uh, it's the best thing about football, really, having the net. Um, so, obviously, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's an added bonus, really. Um, obviously, it's, 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 a great, it's a great bonus to, to have and to have had this for the last season. Um, but obviously, it's, it's more of the performances that have been been obviously more focused on, and so they said because it was a new role, I sort of had a lot of a lot of learning to do. Um, sort of yeah, just taking taking every game as it comes, and still learning now. Um, and listen, if the, if the goals keep coming, I'll be more than happy. Because sometimes you see defenders make that transition into midfield and they get a nosebleed on the halfway line and they, you know, they definitely don't want to be 25 yards from the other goal. Uh, did it take a bit of encouragement initially or were you bombing on? To be honest, whenever I was playing centre-half, I was sort of a bit of... I would get a, a bit of a head sag every now and again and <laughs> try and bomb forward a bit too much, maybe shooting from the halfway line, which the manager wasn't too happy with. So, um, no, listen, I've always, I've always sort of enjoyed the the attacking side of the game uh, as well as obviously the defensive side which has been more predominant in my my game really um, but no, as I said listen the goals are an added bonus but an added bonus that I would like to, to keep going as well Well maybe if M- Mikel Arteta is listening to the programme he could try that out with David Luiz since he's given him a new contract Yeah or listen he could, he could offer me a contract as well so <laughs> you, would, you would still play for Arsenal would you? <laughs> Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking across uh, your teammates at Motherwell, um, sort of l- let us know about the characters now. Um, you know, d- does Tony what bang on about that goal against Barcelona, for example? Um, he mentions it every now and again. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he does the best. Um, now listen, Tony, uh, he's a good lad. He get on well with him. Um, Obviously, I think I think people people probably mention that to him more than he he brings it up himself. But somebody does bring it up to him. He does he does go into he does go quite into depth about it. So I think I think he enjoys people asking him about it. I tell you what, I think most people would give their right arm to have scored a goal against Barcelona, let alone a winner. So fair play to him. Uh, what about some of your yeah. other teammates? Who would who would you be closest to in the in the Motherwell side at the minute? I'm not them. Trust a few lads obviously get on quite well with with most of the lads. Um, quite friendly with with Tony, I would say. Liam Polworth, um, Marco Harris just come back as well. Obviously, Trevor Carson as well. Um, no, listen, I get on with so it's just it's a good group of lads. Uh, sort of, it's very it's a very down to earth, hard working um, group of lads. You know, it's not Motherwell isn't a, a club that are have a lot of um, aren't uh, obviously don't have very high finances. Um, there's not you don't sort of have really any of your your big time players on on a lot of money. So listen, all the lads have to you work hard for for what you get, and obviously we've reaped the rewards of that last season. You most certainly have, and and everything that comes with it as well. For you, it really feels like you find yourself at this club. Um, 
just how content are you with Motherwell and, and how much are you enjoying uh, life and, and obviously your career in Scotland? Yeah, no, listen, I'm massively enjoying it. It's been, it's been great for me. Um, I think obviously it's, it's also what I needed, um, that next sort of step up from from Hartlepool. Um, it's, it's been a, it's obviously, it's a bit of a, a platform for me. It's what the, the manager said, he signed this platform for me to, to go and show what I can do. Um, you know, it's it's a great league. It's sort of a lot of um, there's a lot of publicity around it. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, games shown on, on TV, and obviously you're coming up against some some good sides as well. So it's been it has it has been great for me, and really enjoyed. And you must be, you know, highly ambitious still thinking about perhaps what the next level might be and when that move might come. As I said right at the top, there's been speculation about you. Um, is that something you're open to in the next year or two? Um, yeah, look, listen, it's, it's obviously it's, uh, something I don't really want to speak about too much, obviously. Um, I want to play at the at the highest level possible. Um, it's always, I think it's, that's what you aspire to do. Um what any player will aspire to do. Uh, so listen, it's, yeah, it's just rather, I want to play as high, as high as I possibly can. And listen, if that's, if that's something, if something comes up, then we'll see. We'll, we'll have a look at it and see if it, if it was good for, for all parties, really. But listen, I'm just, I'm enjoying my football at the minute. Um, it's been great for me. So we're just, I'm just going to focus on and continue on that. Casting our minds back just a couple of months ago, I saw you did an Instagram live with Rio Ferdinand. I mean, did you ever in your life think you would be doing that? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it came through my my agency. Um, Rio's there, the agency or, or his agents as well. He also is, he owns a, a share in the in the company as well. So I think they were, they were doing it just at the start of the, the lockdown really. Um, I think they've done it with a few of their players, a few of their their agents and um Alexa Rio and his brother Anton, a few of the other Danny Gavadon that had done it. Um they're all involved with the agency. Um so yeah, no, it was it was a bit surreal. <laughs> but it was it was very good at the same time. I mean, it's one of those things, you're a you're a professional footballer, I'm not, so I mean you get that opportunity in my head, you're going Oh my God, it's Rio Ferdinand. As a professional footballer, is there still a part of your brain doing that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully, he doesn't hear that. But um, <laughs> now, listen, you have to. <laughs> now, listen, he was, it is obviously Rio is obviously somebody that you have massive respect for. He's had an unbelievable career. Um, and obviously, I would, I would love to have half as good a career myself. Um, so it is. You almost are sort of, but it's. State of nearly like a bit of shell shock whenever you're you're speaking to to players of that caliber. Um, but listen, he's he's obviously he's a, he's a good guy and he he made me feel very comfortable in that very quickly. So you get you get settled down quickly and it's not it's not as nerve wracking then. Well, he was saying some very nice things about you, which uh, I'm sure from your point of view is uh, is great to hear. Yeah, of course it is. I've, Said obviously everybody knows the the career he had and the and the caliber of footballer that he was. Um, so it is obviously it's very nice to, to hear somebody of that that level to be 
to be saying those things about you. Um, the first, I'll be honest, the first real time I got a good proper uh, look at you playing was with the under-21s and that memorable campaign because I, I covered a good chunk of it. And uh, I, de- I remember people saying, you know, I think he is the oldest under-21 ever because you had been there from a teenager, you know, and record appearance holder with the under-21s and everything. Um, you were the, the constant in that side. But what struck me is I remember and you might not remember this, but we were in a hotel. There was a press junket. I think there was only a couple of journalists there. And you said at the time, like, I remember not really expecting to come into many of these games and winning. And all of a sudden we're winning and you were loving it. And uh, yeah. obviously you went on and had those famous games against Spain, uh, which, which spring to mind. Um, how perfect a finish was your under-21 career in many ways? Yeah, I think I think the way it finished was was perfect as you said. Um, well, almost perfect if we had a qualified or got a playoff there, so it would have True. been perfect. Um, but yeah, and also as you said, I've been there a long time. I think made my debut when I was sixteen. Um, seen a lot of games. That's gone through a lot of a lot of defeats, um, and it was obviously it was it was great to to finish off that last campaign. Obviously being being so successful, um, having a few few memorable memorable wins, as you said. Obviously, the win the win away against Spain was probably the pick of the bunch. Um, and I think I'm just speaking about him earlier. I think obviously Ian Ian Barcliffe deserves a lot of praise for for that. We in the last couple of weeks have had. Um Bobby Burns on the show, we've had Gavin White, a few of your uh, teammates that were coming through that squad. Did you know yeah. coming into that campaign that this was a particularly special squad versus some of the other ones you'd been in? Or or when did it click in your head that something was different here? Um, it's, all, it's always hard to say, really, coming into a new campaign. Um, obviously, I've been there a while. There's a few, there's a few lads um, that have been, been there for a couple of years as well, similar situation to me obviously maybe not as long but I sort of went through the campaign before without getting um, many good results so it's always yeah you never really know what it's going to be like obviously there was a lot of young players that come up into that squad um, who are always obviously all going to be good players you just don't know how they'll they'll handle the, the step up um, but I thought I did I think right from the I think from the very beginning from the first game um, just getting the win and in the way we did in the, in the last minute against Estonia away, so I think it was sort of the end that you sort of sort of thought right, well, we can actually we can do quite well um, in this campaign. So I still don't think really thought we would do as well as we did, but I think it's just once you get a few a few wins under your belt, obviously it breeds confidence. Um, obviously Ian was uh, very good. Obviously he had us working really well building up to all the games and training uh, as well so listen it was it was a great campaign really and it's one that I'll look back on fondly Bobby Burns was saying to me that you know even coming into the, the away game in Spain Ian wasn't letting anyone buy into well it's Spain that's us but he very much thought no I have a plan out and we can actually win here if you listen yeah <laughs> no it's mad to, it's actually mad to think with us um, but but it is uh, that is the mindset we were going into the game with. It's sort of in the past, sort of coming up against big teams, you're sort of thinking, right? Well, you're not expecting to to come out with a result here. Um, but 
I remember we were we were full of confidence, everybody full of concentration in the in the change rooms before the game on the task ahead. Obviously we we knew we'd have to defend well. Um but he wanted us to try and keep the ball off them as well whenever we had the chance to. Um, I think we've done that and obviously being I think, don't think we could have got a better start to the game obviously being turning it up after seven or eight minutes so it's a yeah it was a massive win and it's a win I'll never I'll never forget a game I'll never forget it's Funny, isn't it, in a way? Because you know, commentators sometimes can be a bit droll when you know you're on. You look at the matches on the TV and you see an assistant manager, or somebody with a, a clipboard, and trying to show a substitute tactics, and the substitutes paying no attention whatsoever. You sometimes wonder <laughs> how much the the players take in of that that deep analysis. But it does show you what preparation before a game and and timely messages can do. If if someone gives you the right instructions. You might be able to surpass them, but um, it also gives you something to aim towards. You know, there was no defeatism before that game started. Yeah, no, definitely. We were um, we definitely weren't allowed to to think um, anything other than, than positively about the game. Um, yeah, listen, as you said, obviously the build-up was, as usual, really very, very sort of concentrated on, on their strengths. Um you know, trying to, to stop them and uh, pick out their weaknesses and obviously to, to focus on our on our own strengths and make sure that we know that we had we had a lot of strengths as well and that we could we could pose them a lot of problems and obviously we, we showed that in a game. I mean you were uh, the the set piece specialist, Mr Penalty Taker. Um have you always fancied yourself with uh, penalties? It's it's something that is either in you or isn't, I think, no matter how much people talk about training or coaching. <laughs> yeah. Um no it is, it is something I'm always fancying myself with. Um but sort of that was uh, the first sort of um with the under twenty ones was the first time I sort of had a had the chance of hitting a few, you know, in in a in a short space of time. Um so that's what sort of kicked it off really for me to be taking them uh regularly. But yeah, and all this as you said I don't know, I think it's I don't know, a bit of both probably. I think you can probably improve yourself in your accuracy in that, but I think there is there is some players just don't don't really fancy them. It's like that real life controller vibrating for anyone that only experiences international football on a, like an Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure if there's some high pressure penalty situations you could be vibrating yourself as much <laughs> as the, the controller does, but uh, no, listen, it's something I'm I'm quite confident with. Um and I've done have had quite good success with them so far, so hopefully that continues as well. Just don't jinx me if you miss the next one. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be up straight in the phone. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you talk about things out loud. Would you be superstitious? Yeah, um, slightly. Not massively. A um, few things, just a few small things that, that I do sort of like to, keep in a sort of like a bit of a routine before games and that a few little small things but oh we're talking not, like left not, sock right sock absolutely. that sort of thing or what is that um no not as bad as that um <laughs> uh, no listen not that uh, just a few just sort of your your build up to the game really what you do um just small things jumping over the, the white line when I walk onto the pitch um just no, it's, it's not. It's not. I don't think I'm. I'm as bad as a lot of players can be. 
bought listening it's something that if players think it's, it's something that they need to do then obviously it's, it's part of their routine and if it works for them then obviously they're going to continue doing it it's uh, an interesting element, isn't it? I mean, if I see you jogging back to jump over the white line because you forgot, then we know you're, you know, a bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, I think there has been a few times I've, I forgot to do it. I don't think I would. I don't <laughs> think I would day. be. I don't think it would ruin my performance or <laughs> put my head elsewhere. <laughs> but, no, listen, I'm sure there's, there's players that like to stick to it meticulously. Um, I suppose different horses for different courses and all that. Um, yeah. You uh, got your next cap five years after your first in terms of your, your senior appearances uh, under Michael O'Neill, uh, the, the second one being against Luxembourg. Um, you know, I think your whole story so far, um, or life, <laughs> whatever way you want to word it, you know, has always been taking your chances when they come and um, you know now you're someone that's definitely uh, a name that's considered and, and your performances this season have made you a, a very difficult person to not consider um, what was it like to get that opportunity to come in for the Luxembourg game after such a long wait there was there was massive um, I think it was it was almost as as sweet as the debut to be honest Um Especially it being obviously at Windsor Park in front of the, the home crowd. Um, I think just the fact that it had been it had been so long. Obviously, I think when I made my debut, I didn't expect it. Never thought it would be be as long. But until I made my second appearance, but I think it made it all all that that bit more more sweeter, really, to to get back out there and I think uh, you relished it even more than possibly I had, would have done if it, if it had come as quite quite soon after the first appearance. So it was a uh, it was, very, it was a very proud occasion for me again to, to get back out to the pitch against Luxembourg. When you're playing for the senior team, I mean, what what is that like, that experience? Because, uh, you know, it's a double-edged sword. There, being the record under-21 appearance holder, I, there must have been times where you're looking at people getting called up and you're thinking, right, it must be me at some stage. So, so to finally be in the position where, okay, yes, you had the first one, but you're back in it again now. There's maybe a wee bit more of a sense of belonging. You've matured a bit too. The second one maybe feels a bit more real. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, you do. Obviously, I think I've been in a few squads. Um, you know, every time every time you're there, you sort of you get a bit more comfortable. And, um, hopefully, I'll continue, obviously, to perform well and hopefully stay in the squad um, but yeah no you do you do sort of feel feel more and more part of it every time you every time you're away and as you said I think I have probably matured obviously as a player and, um, obviously my, my play is probably a lot more consistent now than what it was when I was when I was younger as well so but yeah it's, 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 a, it's a privilege every time you every time you're away with the squad it's something I always enjoy and I think I'll always I'll always look forward to and it's such a different feeling, you know, even me speaking as a Northern Ireland supporter, forget, forget work hat for a minute. You know, you're going to games now watching Northern Ireland and you're expecting results, which, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I don't need to give you a history lesson. We, we both know that wasn't the case in the not too distant past. Um, Michael O'Neill, what a manager he has been for Northern Ireland. What was he like to uh, work under? Yeah, look, what, what Michael O'Neill done with the with the squad has been unbelievable obviously for the, the years before I've I've come into the squad. Um you know the transformation nearly you could call it. Um 
it's been nothing, nothing short of unbelievable, really. Um, you know, he's been he's been great for the for the squad for the for the whole country. Uh, you said it's, it wasn't something you were expecting going into games was to to get results a few years ago, but as you said now, it's it's almost become a bit of normality really that we're gonna go out and perform even against the the biggest countries and you know, they never have they never had an easy game against us now whether whether you come out with a win or not if it's, if we don't get the win it's always the the countries that the big countries that come and maybe get a win against us have always worked hard for us. Um so yeah he's listen he's done he's done great and he deserves all the all the praise that he's got. You must just be chomping at the bit to get back on a pitch now after this big break. No, it's been <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, yeah, we're we're all everybody's everybody's on the same on the same boat really. We're all looking forward to to getting back at it again. Obviously, we're still we're still not starting back our season. We'll start back I think start of August. We're still watching watching the other games on TV going ahead of them in a while we're still in our in our pre-season really running running around the pitches um, but now isn't this yeah can't wait to can't wait to get back again and play and hopefully hopefully I'll be in, in front of a few fans as well maybe not the full stadium but the sooner that happens the better really yeah, definitely better when you have those fans there. They've been waiting too, and uh, it, it isn't the same sitting back and watching on the TV. Sure, it's not. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, and just finally, the, uh, the the small matter of the, the the two big games internationally ahead. Obviously, you need to get over the hurdle of Bosnia first. Um, just how excited for that game are you? Even if it happens to be behind closed doors. Yeah, of course. Um, obviously, hopefully, it's not. Buying closed doors, but whether it is or not, it's still going to be still going to be a massive occasion. Um, the players will still will still go into it as focused, whether whether it's behind closed doors or not. Um, focused on the on the task to to win the game. Simple as that, really. Um, you know, everybody's determined and fully focused on on well, firstly beating Bosnia and hopefully getting into the into the the playoffs. Game to to get to the finals, so that's the aim is to is to get the finals, and obviously, hopefully, the fans will will be there. But it'll not change the the players' mentalities to to go out and get the win. And if we get a penalty, make sure you're hitting it. Hopefully, if I if I'm on the pitch, I'll, I'll put myself forward. <laughs> uh, give man yourself, Liam. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much for coming onto the show this week. No problem, Megan. Thank you very much. The Score with Michael Clark. Fantastic having Liam Donnelly on the programme this week. Thank you, as always, for your company. It is a shame that we didn't have an update on the formula and the league to bring you. We were told on Tuesday that we would have it hopefully within 48 hours, definitely before the weekend, and here we're sitting and we're still waiting. But fingers crossed that news is going to come soon. And you can keep up to date with things by following me directly at M. Clark Show. If I hear anything over the weekend, I will certainly make sure to post it. But for now, from me and from the team, I just want to say have a great weekend. Take care of yourself. And congratulations, Liverpool. <laughs> you didn't think I wasn't going to say it, did you? Come on. <laughs>